This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Ariel Helwani Basketball Show. So Tuesday on the show, we featured a conversation with the great George Sedano of ESPN. The the knowledge, the memory, the history of all things Miami Heat was tremendous. I really enjoyed that conversation. If you missed it, go check it out on the feed. It's a great trip down memory lane, but also a great primer, if you will, for, you know, this finals that we're about to get starting Thursday and what makes this team and and this organization and their culture so damn special. But we got to show the Nuggets some love. And let's be honest, mainstream media not really doing that. And they haven't done a great job of that. I think they're a phenomenal story. They're a very likable team. They're an easy team to root for on many different levels. And to me, at the top of that list is the fact that this is their first ever trip to the NBA Finals. That in its own right is something to celebrate and something to be very excited about. And so I am so very much looking forward to this episode. And I've been, as I say in the uh, in the conversation, I've, I've been holding on to this idea for the last you know few weeks because our guest today is someone that I work with on a daily basis and who I've known for well over a decade. We cover MMA together. We have a show together called the Ringer MMA Show. We worked at MMA Fighting together for many, many years. Those that know my work know who the man in the hat is. We were on the MMA beat together for six, seven years as well. And from the moment that I met Chuck Mendenhall, today's guest, I knew that he was an absolute uber Denver Nuggets fan. Like, the number one diehard mega ultra fan of the Denver Nuggets that I've ever come across. No one has ever come close to his, you know, passion and love and connection to the team. And so if they were going to make the finals, I wanted to have him on to talk about what this means to not only himself, but to Nuggets fans all over the world, because Lord knows they haven't had a lot of moments to celebrate quite like this one. And Lord knows they are the favorite going into this one. And they may be four wins away from finally becoming NBA champions. And, you know, I've been working, as I said, with Chuck for a while. He's pretty mild-mannered. He doesn't get too high, too down. Uh, He's not as emotional, I would say, as I am. I have never seen this side of him. I have never seen the fan come out in him like it does in this conversation. The emotion, the passion, it's an amazing thing. And I enjoyed every single second of this. So just sit back and relax and enjoy hearing a long-suffering fan just talk about how much making it to the NBA Finals meets him. And and show this to any person out there that says the Nuggets aren't interesting or that this is going to be boring or the rings are going to be down. This is what it means to fans of these teams that we don't talk about enough. Uh, this is a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done just because you can feel and hear the fandom come out in Chuck, a guy that I've known, like I said, for well over a decade. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Chuck Mendenhall, by the way, one of the best sports writers that I've ever come across and certainly at the very top of the list when it comes to combat sports, but sports writing period at the very top of the list, in my opinion, regardless of the sport, he's usually down the middle. This time around, you're getting fan Chuck Mendenhall, and it's a beautiful thing. Enjoy. Oh, this is very exciting for me. This is tremendous stuff. Now, I've done many a podcast with this individual, uh, dating back to the MMA beat days for the hardcores out there, some MMA hour appearances. We've been all over the place, all over the world, really. And now uh, we do a show called The Ringer MMA Show. He's one of the best writers in the history of combat sports. He's my co-host on the Ringer MMA show with the great P.T. Carroll. I've known him for well over a decade. And since the moment we first met, we've always talked about hoops. We've always talked about basketball. We've always talked about how he was a long-suffering, die-hard Denver Nuggets fan. And so as the Nuggets have been going on this tremendous run, I've always been holding on 
you know, kind of in the back of my pocket to this idea of if they finally make the finals for the first time in their history, I have to call upon the man in the hat, the mayor of the nutmeg state to come on this here show to talk about his beloved Nuggets finally making it to the big dance, finally making it to the finals. And on Thursday, June 1st, they will finally appear in an NBA Finals game after all these years, dating back to 1967 as the Denver Rockets. They've never played in the finals. Here he is, my good friend Chuck Minnanal, to talk about his beloved Denver Nuggets. Hello, Chuck. How are you? Ariel, let me correct you real quick, though. They okay. did make an ABA Finals in 1976. Right. Yes, they did make that. So that is the high point of the Denver Nuggets lifespan. But they have never even sniffed the finals in the NBA. So this is a true pleasure. I think that you're, you're absolutely right. We've been talking about this probably since 2008 or nine, And you said if they could do it. I honestly hypothetically never even believed they would. That's how jaded and uh, you know cynical I have been about this team for so long. So this is truly a surprise, my friend. Okay, so I, I want to you know I want to establish the fandom. Here. Okay, born in Denver. Yes. What year? Nineteen seventies. Nineteen. Do you remember that nineteen seventy six team? No, no, no. I do not. What is your earliest memory of the Denver Nuggets? So the earliest memory I have of them would be probably nineteen eighty one. Okay. Uh, 1981. I, is that, that was Alex I, English era? This is Alex English had just got there. Uh, Alex English, it was Dan Issel, Kiki Vandeway, K- Billy McKinney, uh, you know, all these, James Ray, they just they just drafted him. This is when I really got into it. And I mean, got into basketball too, like fell in love with basketball, got into the NBA as a Denver person, fell in love with the Denver Nuggets. And uh, just for the, you know, for the, the hierarchy, if you will, I know you're a big Broncos fan. Yeah. Uh, you like the Rockies, but they obviously came in the mid '90s too, right. right? So, like, that's a lot later. Uh, where would you rank the Nuggets and Avalanche okay. as well? But they came, you know, mid. Can I can as well. I just set the context yeah. though for yeah, like because I think that to understand the suffering fan base, and I say suffering fan base, I feel like I'm the only suffering fan base. There's been just general indifference, even in the city that the Denver Nuggets came from. In the city of Denver, I don't think really embraced. The Denver Nuggets. It was a very strange thing for the longest time. When they came into the league in 1977, essentially, the Denver Broncos broke through, made the Super Bowl, the Orange Crush years. It became a Denver Broncos. It became a football town. Everything was orange. The Nuggets were just a team that played in Denver. Um, this kind of went forever, all through the 80s. This was the established thing. So through all those, um, you know, fun and gun, like teams with Doug Moe in the 80s and everything, they just were not really beloved or accepted. Nobody bled deeply into the way that I needed them from the earliest times. I mean, I would take their losses very, very hard from the very beginning, uh, you know, all through the 80s, especially when they were making the playoffs in those, uh, those Doug Moe years. Every one of them was like a gut punch, but nobody seemed to care on the level I did. So it wasn't like today where you can go on Twitter and talk about this. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you could find people who feel it as deeply as you. There just weren't that many people. So it was a very strange thing. And I feel like because that's where it started, it has stayed there. I'm mm. perpetually locked into a 10-year-old mindset emotionally still stilted because I'm or stunted because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to do anything and to, and to basically establish any kind of culture or history any kind of consequential anything because they have no, they have never really had anything that you can point to that's why that 1994 uh, upset of the Seattle Sonics was the hugest thing that could have happened in the Nuggets. They were validated for a few minutes. Not relevant. They were validated as a franchise. They were suddenly something. You could actually pin something to the history of the team and say, hey, they just became the first number eight uh, to upset a number one. Of course, you can trump that story because the Knicks then went on to the finals a couple years later. But it's one of those situations that they have been groping for some kind of foothold on history. And to break the indifference, to break the aloofness, to win the city over all of this stuff. And then and then you go to the national media, who basically doesn't want to cover, doesn't ever really treat them as a real franchise. And you get into that whole thing, and you wonder why they're using this theme of disrespect. It's finally a Nuggets team who understands it. I really believe this, like Jokic being the guy who's getting them over the hump. But this is a team that has literally been, if, if they were taking it seriously and taking into context the history of this team and the sport and not only developing the culture, but bringing it to the fore and, and creating it, it's why they feel like they're disrespected. They finally have embraced the culture, which is 
inconsequential, non-vital, non-nothing, just a flyover state. And now they're saying this will be the culture. And that's what's beautiful about it, man. It is redeeming. I was I was almost bawling like a baby when they when they clinched when uh, when Jamal when he when he basically blocked that shot like grabbed the ball and it happened it was almost like when you see your first child born you're like well, this is real I, you know I couldn't even believe it dude I couldn't even believe it I, I was like this. I didn't even let myself believe it I, I love this so much it. on yeah. so many different levels first of all because we've done a hundred million shows together and like to see this side of you is different than the <laughs> MMA media side right like the pure fan side it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking right before we came on here. You've known me a long time, and I think one of the things I pride myself on, honestly, it's really, it's really who, the way it is. I, if you look at the landscape of combat sports, you can be objective. I can be objective. I can look at everything. I can be close to people and still keep them at arm's length sure. and report on it objectively with journalistic integrity and all, all of that out the window with the Denver Nuggets. It's just never – I can't do it, man. I, my, my kid, uh, you know, Blaze, like he – He'll know when a game is on because I'm screaming. You know, I scream at the TV. I don't know I'm doing this, man. But I just don't come to life like this for any other sport. Like a long time ago with the Denver, I was a diehard Denver Broncos fan. You're asking me about the hierarchy. It would yeah. obviously be the Broncos would be right behind them, and then probably the Avalanche, and then the Rockies. So Nuggets but, number one. No, Nuggets number one only in the sense that it just it's. I've waited forever to see it. Yeah. You know, like you want it more than anything. It's it's stupid how bad I want it. It actually is silly how bad I want it. Like it's stupid. I beat myself up. I'm like, what am I doing? You're a grown man. What do you what do you care this much about something that has nothing to do with you ultimately? But it has everything to do with you in the end, too. Like it you associate everything to it. Your family members, your feelings, the way that you build like your your perception of sport. It's weird. Like you tie so much into it. Of course it matters, man. So this they have they have leapfrogged and became that team. But he'll hear me cussing and just like, you know, yelling at the TV. These are just regular season games. I mean, but then you get in the playoffs and it's a whole different level, man. And I'm like, I'm not embarrassed by it because I feel like, I, you know, this is the this is the moment I've been waiting for. And if I can retain a little bit of that youthful uh, enthusiasm, I actually kind of like I, I appreciate that about myself. Oh, you know beautiful. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, this is so beautiful. On Again, on so many levels, because. Nuggets kind of remind me of the Bills in the sense that, you know, I'm a big Bills fan and they've never won and you want to like cherish these moments and these 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 teams that you think could finally get you over the hump. But this idea, I've, I'm a big Knicks fan as well. I've never seen the Knicks win in my lifetime. And right. so I remember in 94, 99, obviously a lot younger, when they finally made it to the finals and you see them next to the finals logo and you see like the press conference and it says finals behind them. And I just had that moment. Yes. So can you tell me now, like you've, you've been able to sit on this for a week now. And so you've really been able to almost like revel, but I'm sure like the anxiety is building up. What is it like for a long suffering Denver Nuggets fan, a fan, you said 81. So we're talking almost, you know, 40 yeah. something years here, yes. right? 42 years yeah. to Long finally time. see your team as the final two next to the logo, next to the ABC, next to the finals. They like, what is that like? Can you put that into words? You're so good at that. You saw, I, I think I sent you a picture of my ticket stub collection. Like, this is just a partial thing, but I was, one day I was just kind of going through a drawer and there was all these ticket stubs. And I'm like, look, I just want to show you guys how long I've been doing this. I think the first game I attended was like in 83 or 84. Wow. Uh, but I mean, you know, that's McNichol Sports you, Arena. McNichol, uh, Big Mac. Yep. Yeah, Big yeah. Mac. We'd go, like, we went there. So, uh, to see it, it's, how do you even explain it? Because I've been going to these games for so long. And you got to, it's like, you almost have to go back. Like the way I really got into them and, and really listened to them was par partially just through the imagination because I'd listen to them on the radio. This sounds like I'm like fucking like 80 years old, but I would listen to them on the radio <laughs> and you hear the squeaks of the, like, and I'd have to imagine the play. Like, you know, they'd be, you're, you're, you're talking about back in the day with, uh, you know, Adrian Dantley's and, uh, you know, the Iceman, George Gervin, all these guys like that that are. And there, so whoever was coming through, there was no. They weren't televised. They didn't. They didn't do the the local uh, home games because they didn't sell out. So you'd have to listen on the radio. Wow! And it was all in the imagination, man. And then the the, the games that they televised were always them in their blue jerseys. You know, they were always in the road blues because you're watching road games. I had no idea other than like a glimpse in the newspaper what their white jerseys even looked like. I just desperately wanted to go to games. You know what I mean? Uh, and then my dad didn't really want to take me. Uncles didn't really get into it. Grandpa wasn't into it. So it was like it was a it was a while before I actually started to get to go to some games. But dude, you take that you know, that beginning, you go th the course of all the transformations, all the false hopes, 
all the coaching changes you know, from you know even Alan Bristow's day, like uh, Bernie Bakerstaff, the Westhead years where we would hang 150 on opponents, still lose by 15 points. Uh, you know, like the 90s were just you know you take all of that and you just keep going, and especially because I know you did this Bob Costas thing, and I was listening to it because I have the same reverence that you do for those 90s. Uh, broadcasts like you would watch that stuff and it always felt like the Denver Nuggets were the furthest away from ever being part of a finals like ever being a part of whatever the conversation was around those big teams the Lakers the Celtics the Rockets all these teams and especially the Bulls as they came up and uh, you know the Spurs and on and on who used to be our spiritual kin until they broke through but now I saw this. The moment you're talking about, I just saw this. I saw Jokic sitting. They actually had this was this was so, uh, cr- this was so cruel. They actually had the Western Conference Finals behind him as he started his uh, his thing, and then they switched it to the finals. And I was like, "You got to! I mean, you got to! Like, this is the payoff. Like, you got to be able to see the visuals now. You know what I mean? I want to see this. This is. It's like I keep pinching myself all week, man. It's like you have a logical and reasonable, uh, like reason to be confident." But there's still a quiet desperation, and I'm so afraid to even say a word. To be uh, honest, I'm I'm uh, it's it's been a life of quiet desperation. By the way, I, I, funny you mention that because I I keep looking at your Twitter and I notice like an odd retweet there, but you're not saying a thing, <laughs> right? I can't. You, I, did, I saw yours and I like I. Dude, trust me, I, I retweeted it a million times in my mind where you're like Nuggets and Five. Although I, yeah. my only correction is I was gonna say Nuggets and Four, but see, that's where I'm getting stupid. Yeah, yeah, and you I don't want to be. I don't want. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. Um, where were you? I, I'll never forget watching Matumbo hold the ball. You know, on oh the ground God. when they beat. Where were you when they beat the Sonics in '94? I was at the Castlegate Apartments in Denver, Colorado. I swear to God, I could remember this like it was yesterday. I was I was watching that game, um, and the same thing. When he clutched that ball, and that game, if he, I don't know how, if, how, if you've revisited it, you probably haven't, but like I've revisited that game, and it yeah. goes into overtime. It was a crazy, crazy game. For them to hold on and win it, they were down 0-2 in that series. I went to games uh, 2 and 3. No, wow. I went to games 3 and 4 of that series in Denver. In Denver. In wow. Denver. So then they went back to Seattle, and they got it. it was similar to the thing I just was experiencing with the Lakers, because you're like, nobody gave them a shot as a number eight seed. Nobody did. So it was kind of like one of those things you're like, we're relevant. We, we've done something, you know? And uh, and it was crazy. So I was at the Castlegate Apartments. It was an afternoon uh, game. It was still daylight out. And I just, I remember it was like one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. It, right up there with the Broncos winning their first Super Bowl, honestly. That year must have been, it, it, remember, uh, wasn't it the next, the, it was the next series. Yeah, they, they were down 3-0. And then went to seven against the Jazz, right? They were down three nothing against yeah. the Jazz. It was the same exact scenario, and then they started chipping away. And I remember I was at Old Chicago for Game Five of that one, and Robert Pack like sealed it with a uh, like a, a runaway, like he he got like a, a fast break and dunked it, and it put him up by like six or eight in the fourth quarter. And I knew they were going to beat him. And then they're coming back to Denver, and I knew they could beat him there. And I was like, now it's Game Seven, another coin yeah. flip. But they couldn't pull that one off. But yeah. man, that was the greatest playoff run. See, that's what I'm saying. This is my greatest playoff run in the history of the <laughs> franchise because they got close to winning the semifinals. That's favorite, where we're at. <laughs> favorite nugget ever? Boy, that's so tough. You know what, man? The guy that I... The guy... I mean, I love Alex English. I got him back here. There Another he is. Thing. I love Alex English, man, because he was quiet. He was the leading scorer of the 80s. He never got the fanfare, but I, I've always loved him. But if you're really asking, it's weird because I like I feel like he's even an obvious one. I loved Carmelo when he was here. Uh, I love. I mean, there's so many. Like, I, but if I really think about it, the guy you remember, Michael Adams. I remember because I wanted to be a shooter, man. I wanted to be a number shooter. Twenty three, right? He was number. Uh, was, was he fourteen? Maybe on the bullets he was twenty three. Yeah, he might have been twenty three yeah. on the bullets, but I think he might have been fourteen for us. I can't yeah, remember yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but he had that weird little hitch because yeah, he was yeah. shooting the three. Small he, dude, like like small Muggsy guy. Bogues level. Yeah. But I loved him, man. And yeah. that, you know, they I've always loved those types of players. Robert Pack was a sixth man, he was always good. And then they had later Earl Boykins, who was another little dude. Yeah. I mean, all these guys, but it's very tough. I would say Alex English is probably it. It would have been it until now. I think that Jokic, because he's the guy who's bringing them into the light finally. Will have to be the guy sure. in the end. So, but uh, I, it would be those guys, yeah. By the way, we're we're, we're speaking here. Um, the show, part of uh, Showtime Basketball. Did you watch the Mahmoud Abdul Rauf documentary produced by Showtime? One of my favorite players in the '90s. By Very the way, good. I loved him. Like, and and everything that he stood for, and uh, just like reminded me of John Starks on the Knicks. Like, you know, never <laughs> never saw a shot he didn't like. Uh, how, you know, what are your memories of uh, Mahmoud? 
uh, formerly known as Chris Jackson, of course, with uh, LSU. Again, it was like winning the lottery to have him on the team. And uh, purest shot. I mean, I, I, he was one of the – before Steph Curry did what he's done, I really believed that this was the purest shooter I'd ever seen. I mean, I, I'd go see him. I went to a lot of games back in those days. And uh, it was – I don't know how to quite explain that um, because I don't feel like the Nuggets were very good. But he was so good, it didn't matter. You know, and it was almost like you went there to see guys like him play. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, I that that whole era is kind of strange because they went through, it was like everything that was kind of hopeful would then peter out in somewhere. I remember Dan Issel, like he gets him into, he gets him uh, as a coach, he gets him over the hump in that eight seed with Seattle. And then he gets in trouble for some slurs mm. and gets fired. I mean, it felt like everything that was kind of going on. And then you had, and then you had uh, Mahmoud who, I appreciate it on every level, especially with the whole Tourette's thing and being able to play. And I felt like uh, he just didn't let things beat him down. And then this, his controversies got his convictions come into play. And I felt like he was even ostracized in Denver, which really bothered me. That's why I liked that documentary um, and basically was shipped out. It just felt like it was all premature and he could have been one of the Nuggets greats if he'd just been allowed to stay there five more years. Uh, what a legend. And and those are some great memories. And the, that jersey, by the way, uh, just to tie to today, like, I think that that Skyline jersey, yeah. whatever you want to call it, is there a name the for rainbow, that jersey? The rainbow jersey, they always called them, yeah. Yeah. It's so much, the, the Mile High City one, I don't like it. I don't like the one yeah. that they've, why, go back to the old one. They sometimes have like a sort of retro-ish version of that. I think they you do. have one right behind you over there. Yeah, um, they have that. They had, so they had like, they've had versions of this where they bring it back on white, black, and then they had like this rusty red, which was ridiculous i have no yes. idea what they're thinking and then they had like a yellow one in the kenneth farid days oh, they kenneth had the farid. yellow one yeah. yes kenneth farid i forgot about yeah. kenneth farid yeah. uh love that jersey and i wish that they were bringing it back permanently now you mentioned uh you loved carmelo anthony how do you feel about carmelo anthony now and we're speaking you know a yeah. week after he uh announces his retirement uh kind of forced his way out with the trade to new york in in 2011 and it seemed like his time towards the end there was a little bit uh bittersweet yeah. if you will <laughs> like now how do you feel about carmelo and, and his legacy in denver well his his timing is very strange on this right because he wore number 15 and then Jokic wore number wears number 15 and so you have two greats i think uh and you got guys like George Carl now suddenly, who's the better, you know, like kind of debating the sports center. And I'm like, well, let's not get crazy here because Carmelo was a great scorer. And I think that he, and I'm honestly, he's one of the top nuggets of all time. He came in, that team that he inherited, and the reason we got him was because we were 17 and 65 the year prior. They were so bad that uh, it was probably an all-time low for the Denver Nuggets. He comes in, they win 26 more games, they make the playoffs, 43 and 20, 39, I remember this very well. They make the playoffs, number eight seed, resurrected basketball in Denver. So you can't you can't understate, honestly, like how much he meant to basketball in that city. And, and honestly, man, this is, a, this is a city, I know we haven't really got into this, but They've had to build through the draft most times because players, free right. agents, just never were interested in playing in Denver. They just weren't. I remember them trying to get Jason Kidd, getting all hopeful, could not get him. They tried to get in the LeBron sweepstakes at one point. Shut, like, I think they even got like a poolside quick, like almost like perfunctory interview with him like, to talk to him, and then it was just like, nah, nah, you know, just playing with him. The Nuggets were never like a real team. So getting a guy like Carmelo, who was as close as we've ever gotten to have having a – you know, fans outside of Denver, because I, I remember walking around New York City and people would be car wearing Carmelo. Obviously, he went to Syracuse. He has an East Coast following, like, uh, and all that stuff. But, like, you would see people wearing his jersey. You just didn't see that with the Nuggets until he came along. He was that guy. He was the transcendent figure. Got him to the playoffs a lot. Very complicated, though, because he made it to one Western Conference Finals. Actually, he made it out of the first round only once, and that was with Chauncey Billups, who came back home. And uh, so I was... 2008 yeah. i was at the, i lived in la at the time so i went to those oh, games to the western conference crazy it was so fun but at the same time we were so robbed but uh like the uh <laughs> like i think he was that guy people loved him i just don't i think the biggest thing was he didn't love denver the way that denver needed to be loved too you know what i mean mm. i think he kind of wanted out and so the the city itself is a little bit like hey man he wanted out and you know, it, it left a little bad taste in their mouth. There was some acrimony there. And I think that it was never to the point where he's hated because I think everybody loved him for what he did. 
But he it would go a long way, I think, if he was just like he treated the Denver stint like it meant something to him. Uh, I feel like that he hasn't. You know, it's a great point that you make because I feel like we all associate him with the Knicks, and he shows the Knicks a lot more love than he shows yeah. the Nuggets. And I say this as a as a mellow fan. I think as a he guy identifies who, as a Nick. You know? Right? Yeah. yeah. Which is weird, right? Because. I mean, arguably had more success with the Nuggets, made it to the conference finals, didn't make it to the conference finals with the Knicks, um, made it to the playoffs every single year as a Nugget. Uh, in fact, John Barry told me a great story last week that he told uh, he told the team as a rookie that if they made the playoffs in his rookie season, he would buy the entire team each a Rolex. And I think they made it by one game. They did. Yeah, they made it by Dude, one game. Dude, I did not know that. Actually, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. I did see that. Maybe I did see that. But I, I, you mentioned the one game. I remember that whole thing. Like, they, they barely made it. But it felt like we'd won a, you know, a championship yeah. or something at that time because they were so bad. But that's hilarious. And he he upheld it, huh? He upheld it, yeah. Wow. By the way, um, where were you? Do you remember where you were when they acquired Allen Iverson? I don't remember where I was. Because that was a big deal. It was a, uh, it was a big deal. And I wondered at the time because, again, we didn't get, like... Denver doesn't get especially two, you know, like, and they had Kenyon Martin too. Like, so they had like, they kind of were, they looked on paper like they might be able to do something and obviously they didn't. I I think that was the year. Was that the year? Because I, I, they, they lost to the Spurs a couple and they ran into the buzzsaw, which basically the Nuggets now are like the Spurs back then. Yeah. Um, But like they ran into the, the, they ran into the buzzsaw, which was the Spurs and I remember what I remember the most is I went to a game as a as a local. I went. I was like doing something for a local press thing in Denver, and I went to a couple of games. I went to uh, games in Denver when they played the Spurs in the playoffs. And the I remember Allen Iverson came out, and he was just, he looked me right in the eye like I'm I'm under you know I'm under the in the tunnel there where he's at. And I it was like surreal, dude. You're like, dude, this guy. I can't even believe he's in Denver. It was like pretty early. It was like when that first playoff. It was crazy having him. They just I. They couldn't figure it out, you know. They couldn't figure out how to get those guys over the top. You know how it is, man. This has never been their formula to to like stack stars and then like see if they can do it. Their formula is the way they're doing it right now, right. which is which is pretty crazy. Like all draft choices, you add the odd piece in Contavious Caldwell Pope or like Aaron Gordon, and then you have your team, right? Uh, I was just going to ask you about that. Have you ever considered or wanted to? actually cover them for a living or do you prefer them being like your fan thing i couldn't man you see the perfect thing for me to do well maybe i'm protective too of of, uh of this youthful idiocy that i carry around like because i'm like you don't want to i don't want to ruin it you know how it is you start covering something it's it goes away i've been very protective of that to be honest man you protect these things because i i i love feeling uh you know connected to the team that way. I don't want to be a part of their emotional ebb and flows and all that stuff. So I, I feel like I wouldn't want to. I have dabbled in it. I went out and did like a they Adrian Dantley was a coach with the Nuggets and they went back to retire his jersey in Utah. I went out there and covered that. That was a lot of fun. Like I've done some weird things like for local magazines and stuff in Denver back in the day. Um, but it was more like tribute pieces and stuff like where you're kind of still a fan, you know, and okay. then the ringer stuff that I'm doing and I'll have a piece there too coming up this week. Like I, it's all from a fan's perspective. They don't even want me to try to be objective. They just want you to be the fan, you know what Which I mean? Which is so, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm enjoying this so much. Um, okay. So let's talk about Jokic. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch. I say he reminds me of, uh, the great Arvita Sabonis, but oh, yeah. he's a thousand times better. And we only got to see Sabonis you know, later on in his career when he was playing with uh, the Trailblazers, uh, perhaps if he was in the NBA in his prime, he had a three-inch vertical. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, the passing, and then just, like, the body type, and, like, at first glance, he doesn't look like a superstar, and he is a superstar, and he's the best player in the league. Uh, People like to joke about the fact that I think it was, is it a Quiznos commercial or a Subway commercial that was airing when he was drafted? Like, they didn't even show it on TV when he uh, was drafted. Taco Bell. The Taco Taco Bell Bell commercial. Do you remember (laughs) when they drafted him or thinking anything of this guy? Or is he just like one of, no, nothing. No, you know what I remember the most? Honestly, it was kind of seeing him play. Like, when they finally started to play, knew nothing about him. They had Nurkic, too, at the time, remember? So they kind of had both big white dudes from Europe who... It just seemed like because they also had Mozgov right before this, and they had uh, thanks to the name? Knicks, yeah, Timothy yeah, yeah. Mozgov, and then they had another guy. They had like all these tall white dudes who were all like, you know, they're all kind of centers. They were all kind of uh, the similar block. Like you, you just kind of place them all together. 
But I remember seeing him, and he he made a couple of those passes, those uh, no look passes, or those kind of rhythm, like he, and and take the ball up a couple times. But you had no idea what he could do. In fact, when they came in in his basically what would be his second year, I can remember Nurkic pointing to himself and being like, "I'll be the guy here. I'm going to be the guy." Blah blah blah, and thinking that's probably right. Like Nurkic is the guy, and who knows what Jokic will do, but Nurkic will be the guy. And then, uh, and then it was like. It's almost as cathartic as in the bubble with Jamal Murray. There was just a point in time where I, I pointed it out. Like, you remember, you're probably too young, but there was like a game called Tempest. And it mm. was like you were in the middle and you kind of like it sh- you'd go around this grid thing and you'd shoot the, you know, you'd kind of shoot. He was, it was in the middle, like a fulcrum type thing. Yeah, yeah. He would stand at the top of the key and they figured this out. It was like an epiphany. Like, suddenly he's at the top of the key. And as long as he had it at the top of the key, the game started feeling safe. He was going to find somebody. It was going to swing around. People were going to do the right things. It was like a. It was cathartic. I can't even start to explain it. And I was like, "That's the formula. They figured it out. Get that dude at the top of the key." And it was like they figured this out. And they had a. Uh, they had some pieces, you know, Gary Harris around him. Then they got Jamal, and it just has gone from there. But it was pretty early in the process that you're like, you could see it. You could see that he just he had a command. He had vision of the court. He could dribble. It looked awkward. He, in fact, that's what's so stupid about today's media. I'm like, you're you're acting like this is his first year in the league. That he's a lumbering, slow, non-defensive center, and it's all BS. I mean, you gotta you gotta watch him for a while to see it. But right, he's a maestro, man. I mean, he gets the ball. I've never felt safer with a player in my life. Like he gets the ball, and especially with Jamal now, kind of able to yeah. do the other part. I've never felt safer. That's why I was like, hey, if it's Celtics, fine. They got to go to Boston. That's all right. We can, you know, we can do. That's a great feeling. Yes, yes. You know? And we're we're gonna get to that. All right. <laughs> this is so. I can't stress this enough. I don't know how many shows we've done. I've never seen this side of you, and I love it so much because I feel like I'm the crazy, like passionate one talking no. about my teams. And to see this Quiet side of you, desperation. Uh, this is wonderful. <laughs> um, you just like. You just ran right through, and then we got Jamal. Like, we can't do yeah. that to my okay, Canadian right, brother. Right. I mean, when you got Jamal Murray from You're Kentucky. You're more tied up to Jamal than me, man. That's I my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Follows me on Instagram. Big yeah. uh, big fan of uh, MMA as well, and a good yeah. friend of Alex Volkanovsky. So, uh, Where's your brother's good... clothesline as well? He does. He does. That's he's right. All, he's out. all tied into the Helwani brand. That's right. What did you think when they got Jamal? Did you think, okay, because you know you, you, need to have, you need to have that quarterback, right? You need to have that point guard. Did you think this is our guy? Well, his first, I, I did. I well, you're always cautious because I feel like we've been burnt so many times, like getting guys. And you think they're going to be, you know, these big players, and then they end up not being. I was pretty confident in him, though, man. To be honest, because I, I followed him a little bit in college. Like I'd seen him enough to know like he was pretty good. So when he came in, though, he I remember he played a game at Toronto, which was back in his home thing, and he was ice cold, like 0 for 10 to start that game or something like that. And thinking, like, I don't know if it's just nerves. I don't know if it's just because he's young, a rookie. I don't know what this is. But uh, he doesn't look ready, you know, that sort of thing. But as time went on, especially even as that year, seeing him kind of – you kind of got a little bit of understanding of how he worked. And to this day, like, it's – I mean, so going back to that a little bit, like, he, you saw it kind of build. And I think – was it the second year? He got, whenever he first played in his first playoff series – like he he played in it, and uh, I believe it was against Portland. You saw the flashes of him doing what he's now doing regularly, but you saw those flashes. There was a competitor that came out with his back again, so it's almost like he was reluctant to be the guy. Mm. But when he was asked to do it, he would do it. And then when you got to the bubble with that whole Donovan Mitchell thing, this is, I mean, I, I felt like I understood Jamal, but I didn't understand Jamal until that. That's really when I understood what he could do because – this he, they were basically fencing with 50 point games like they were going back and forth and uh i never do this because i feel like i jinx shots if i go oh that's good even before it goes in and it bounces out i've done this my whole life it's it's, it's just like when joe rogan yeah says oh he's in trouble here and this guy's never in trouble never taps out or anything but i was like uh with him in the playoffs he would start to shoot in that bubble and i would turn to my to blaze my wife and i'd be like that's good. I would just make it and it would go swishing in. And I was like, because you, he was, you couldn't jinx him. But see, these things are like the personal intuitive things. I know like when you think you're controlling games yes. with the way you think and talk. Like I, But these things matter when you're <laughs> that personal with your team. And uh, when he was going right through that, I was like, it was cathartic. In the same way that I was talking about Jokic, it was, it was one of those things I was like, people don't get how good he is. When, when he was out the next two playoffs, right, with that ACL, it drove me freaking nuts that nobody talked about it like that mattered. Like they just they acted like 
yeah, the Denver Nuggets, you know, they did, whatever, they're just overmatched. That nobody talked about it. I was like, do you realize, man, it'd be like if Jalen Brown, you know, or somebody else, like if so one of the one half of the superstar tandem is out in sure. any team. And everybody act like, including our boy Sean Alshadi. I remember talking to him when they were playing the Suns, and the Suns swept them, and they had no Jamal Murray. And I was like, dude, you realize they don't have Jamal Murray right now? Like, oh, come on, that doesn't. Come, what are you talking? I was like, I was like, what do you mean that doesn't matter? Like, dude, <laughs> that's, this is that's their point part guard. of their identity. By the way, yeah, that 2019 team, um, I, I I thought that, that was a tough. They lost in seven games to the Blazers, and I thought that yes. they could have made a bit of a run there. We'll call them right. We'll call them. That was a Son tough a one. Had a great game seven. I felt I felt for you making it to game seven of the second round. Then Bubble Murray felt for you again. Yeah. Then the following year tears the ACL, and I remember talking to you like at that point you think we're cursed. Like this is just never going to happen <laughs> because there is a feeling. Again, it reminds me a lot of the Bills. It's like we have this guy Josh Allen, yeah. and you have this window, and if you don't make it happen now, it's never going to happen. So did you start to feel that way after the ACL tear? Yes, because. If you recall, like so, they had they've they've had like pieces that have not fit, and they've and it's always a matter of you know how it is. You see the chemistry of the team, you kind of understand who the odd man out is. Well, Gary Harris, I felt was that guy. They trade him to Orlando, they pick up Aaron Gordon, they bring in Aaron Gordon, and I thought that was a brilliant trade because they needed like his length and physicality, and like like they needed somebody who could play that brand of basketball to complement all these things. I forget how many games they played like a handful, like maybe eight games. They were undefeated with the lineup the way it is. This is basically the lineup you're seeing now, but they were undefeated going into that Golden State game where he pulls up lame. He gets the uh, the ACL, and it was gut-wrenching because you knew that everything that they had just, all the excitement yeah. that you just were like, okay, they have a chance now. They have a chance to win it, went out the window. And I think that all of us thought, well, he'll be back by the next playoffs. Right. He'll be back by the next playoffs. Everybody thought that. So you, the the optimism was really tied to let's just get through it and get to next year, make sure we're in position in the playoffs for him to come back, and he couldn't come back. So they lose to the, the Warriors, who eventually won it 4-1, to one. and Jokic kept them in that series anyway. And I don't know how people didn't see that he was basically battling them by himself um, in that series. But so, yes, it did. It felt like very snake-bitten. In fact, I thought that Porter, with his back surgeries recurring uh, – was part of this whole curse too. I was like, look at this. Now he's going down. Like he couldn't play in the playoffs last year. It was just, it was, it's been hard, man. It's been hard because you, you get two MVP campaigns from Jokic and you did nothing with either one of them. Now he doesn't get the MVP and here they are. Should he have won the MVP this year? Oh, come on. <laughs> you seen him play? Yeah. Isn't that crazy though? Like if he didn't yeah. win the previous two, this is not even a, a conversation, right? I know. He would have won it easily. He wouldn't have won it easily. That's what's so dumb about it. But I actually didn't care. I wanted them to just have a chip on their shoulder, man. It's like it's not like you're going to go around like what you want to say is my team won the championship, right. you know. And you can laugh at anybody's face who tries to come at you. But I can't go up and be like, oh yeah, but Jokic was the MVP, right, you right, know. Right. I mean, you you could do that, but it's just not as satisfying, right? Okay. So I didn't really. When, care. when do you start to believe that this could be a special year? I mean, during the season, there were a few times where they could be down 12, 15 points, something like that, and just, I'm talking like four minutes would be off the clock and they'd be up 10. They would turn it on like that, and you're like, if that version of the if that version of the team shows up for any consistent amount of minutes, they're going to do it. But the real thing was, this whole year was all about trying to see if Jamal could get back to being Jamal, if Porter could be back to being Porter, how Caldwell Pope, when I hated that trade when they did it, but how he would fit in, like, would he be able to, you know, they needed a guy who could bang threes and especially like those ice cold threes when everybody else is uh, um, being covered or whatever and they kick it over to Caldwell Pope and he kills you. Those ones, those are the worst kind, right, for the other team because you think you've got Jokic contained, you got Murray, you got Porter out of it, and then all of a sudden it's Caldwell Pope. Um, but he's fit in brilliantly. And I think that at the point, maybe halfway point, I think it was more like it was probably December and they kind of, I went to a game out in Denver. They're playing Charlotte, who's who sucks, but they I saw a little bit of it in person. I was like, you could just see that they were clicking. They were gonna click, and when they do that, they were just magical, man. And then they went on a run through January, got the number one seed, and really they never looked back. The West was never wild. I, people were like, Well, it's a, it's the wild west. Anybody can win this. And I'm sitting there like, man, I don't know. The, the to beat Denver is gonna take a lot, especially if they have home court advantage. I knew that. I knew this. But I couldn't talk about it. No, no, I understand. Um, Spolstra <laughs> gets a lot of love. And we spoke to George Sedano, yeah. and he's talking all about Spolstra, and he's top two coach in oh, the league, yeah. and, and, and rightfully so. 
and maybe this is perfect for you guys. I don't feel like Michael Malone gets the love that he deserves. Your 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 thoughts, your feelings on the great Michael Malone, son of Brendan Malone, all time yeah. coach. No, he's he's been. I mean, you know how it is, man. Like you go through phases with all coaches where you're like, "What are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing?" Like you see some of the rotations or some of the guys that he's not playing. Like we had Bones Highland this year, and he gets has a falling out with the coach, and they ship him off to the Clippers. It's just the craziest thing because he felt like one of our rotational players who was going to contribute. You know, he brought the, he came out of the bench a spark plug. He gets traded. I mean, moments like that, you're like, man, Malone, and not that it's just him. Obviously, this there's a front office and all that that evaluates all this but i'm like there were times where you're like what are you doing man what are you doing but on whole he's got the love of the locker room so deep that i it's it's the most lovable team i've ever been associated with because all i feel like they don't have the typical egos part of that is the coaching i feel like they all kind of keep it very humble now who knows if they win this is when you start to figure out like the character of the team but he's kept them that way man he's been i think he's fairly mastered he's not like phil jackson with like uh you know, the the Dow quotes and all that stuff. But I think he keeps it very real as a New Yorker. He keeps it real with them, and he, he's pretty eye-level with them. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you see him addressing the team, it's genuine love for those players. And he says that all the time. He uses that word love. I love Jamal. Yeah. I love Jokic. They've got a really unique locker room, man. I, and I think that the way the team was built around building the culture outward from and figuring out what the culture is and then building it and keeping it and preserving it, he's a big part of that. So I love him right now. Obviously, like... You see how it works, man. Like the Nuggets beat uh, the Suns this year, and they boot their guy yeah. out of there. And you're like, dude, you you guys were like within <laughs> triggers yeah. away from like winning the championship two years ago. You know, I so love the way you he never defends know how to go, Jokic. Right now, I like, it. like I love when he goes up there with a chip on his shoulder and he like starts to scold everyone and even the team. Right, like he's been doing this a lot over the past you know couple of weeks. I feel like with the playoff run, and there was a clip that I saw of him saying like. We're in the finals, and you're still talking about the Lakers. What the hell is going on here? I love Dude, that. He's stuff. been masterful this playoffs because when they were playing the Suns, and I mean, I, I said this at the time. I'm like, I think the Suns may be the second best. It might be the Nuggets and Suns are the best teams in the league. Like this might be the championship right here. Um, but he was like, you know, man, we really don't. He didn't say it quite like this, but he was basically saying, you know, we're just we're just lucky to be going. In, but this is the best team in the league. People are predicting they're going to win the championship, so we're just happy to kind of see what we got against them. But he he kept pointing out that the Suns were supposed to win the championship, and it, he knew his team, you know. He knew he was lighting something under their ass there to get them to show up, and that's what made that so fun. But that was kind of a masterstroke because I think he's understood that they play better with the chip on the shoulder, and that's something that for Denver people, like I said, where you've had no no history, nothing hanging out on, you need something, and he's done a good job of actually making that for them. How are you feeling going into that Sun series? Because I'll admit, you mentioned our mutual friend, uh, Shaheen yeah. Al-Shadi, and uh, I, I, I feel for him the same way I feel for you as well. I think we're all long-suffering fans, right? Yes. Um, our teams haven't won. You guys have to play each other often. I get to you know sit out on the East. <laughs> he got he got a finals run recently, and unfortunately, it didn't go his way. You yeah. have never seen your team in the finals, so I'll be honest, and I'll say this to him. I was rooting for you in that yeah. case because I wanted to see you, know, you happy and, and, and see the Nuggets make it to the finals. Here you are playing the Suns, and they just, you know, recently acquire Kevin Durant. Are are you thinking like, oh God, why why do we have to face these guys? Yes. Everyone thinking, yeah. Were you nervous <laughs> going into that one? Yes, one hundred percent, man. I, I of all the series, I thought we'd smash the Lakers, and the Lakers are something like five and zero against the Nuggets. They've been the bane of the Nuggets' existence. I hate the Lakers more than I hate any sports franchise. I cannot stand the Lakers. I hate. I can't stand like going back to nineteen eighty five when Alex English broke his thumb, like in the wow. Western Conference. I cannot stand that team. But anyways. Besides all that, like I thought we'd smash them, and they're the ones that the referees, there's a Laker whistle and all that. The Suns, though, scared the hell out of me because of the Durant thing, and it was really because I wasn't sure how Chris Paul would uh, be. Like, Is he, is he going to show his age, or is he going to be that guy who kind of orchestrates? But I knew for a fact that Booker and Durant together was going to be a problem. They hadn't really lost... You know, like in terms of like this short time there, they hadn't really lost a lot, like once or twice or something like that. So it was like one of those situations. And I know Sean was coming at me a little bit. I think he was fairly confident. And after the after the first or maybe it was the second game, by the first game, he was already like, you guys won, man. This is all. And I'm like, dude, calm down. It's only one game. But after game two or no, maybe it was after game one, he was like. Can you can y'all let us have this one, man? Because you've got like Jokic for five more years. You got these windows that are gonna keep going. <laughs> like it's we've only you. got we've only got this year. And I'm like, dude, don't even start that with me, man. Don't even start that with me. And I had to kind of tune him out a little bit. But uh I did not feel good about it until they protected home court. Once they once they won the first two games, 
I felt like they would win the series, and I knew they would break them in that in that game five when they went back or whatever it was. Uh, wasn't it game five? Whatever yeah. it was when they went uh, game six, game six they went back to Phoenix. Oh, I right. had yeah, a feeling that it was going to go like that because we saw Phoenix do that last year with the Mavericks. I had a feeling that it would turn out like that, where the Nuggets are suddenly up by thirty points in that game. By the way, considering your your hatred of the Lakers to clinch the finals berth against the Lakers and do it like that, like to completely dismantle the them. Thing. What did that Dude, feel like? Could, I, I could write a book on the frustration of the Lakers, man. Like, there's been <laughs> there's been so many bad instances with that team. Every time they've been in the Western Conference Finals, it's against the Lakers. You know, they not the every time they they made one in '77 before my time against the Sonics. But the but the next all all through my time watching, it's been against the Lakers, and it was either that Showtime version where Kareem, like, dirty, like, elbows uh, Alex English and the broken thumb thing. Like, the Nuggets are ahead in that game, by the way. Game four, it was it was 38 years ago as of May 18th. Wow. Like, they had that game. I thought they were going to win that game. It would have been 2-2 going back to L.A. Instead, it goes 3-1. Alex English breaks his thumb. Kareem, dirty, whatever. But uh, <laughs> since that time, man, I've hated them. And they when they played them in 2008... Uh, it was like Kobe's year. Like he was all. It was all about Kobe. And it, to be honest, he played probably his best. I th- that was ridiculous the way he. Him and Melo were going at it. it. Was it was a fun series. I hated it. That game five was one of the greatest robberies I've ever seen in my life. Like if you anybody goes back and watch that, you'll see what the Laker whistle is all about. And then you go to the bubble and uh, you watch that series. And this was the year, unfortunately, that Kobe Bryant died. He had died, and so you were like. This becomes part of the narrative. People want to see the Lakers win. And it was just, I feel like the Nuggets are always going against not just history, not just franchises and legacies and uh, expectations and media ratings and everything else, right? Like, But there's always some backstory, too, that just solidifies it where you're like, oh, we have no chance. Their destiny doesn't want them to be there, you know? So beating them this year was like, it was like the best thing ever, especially with LeBron James, man. Like, LeBron James and and I can't stand Anthony Davis. I can't stand these guys, but like beating that team and seeing them walk off that court was the greatest. It was the greatest, man. I loved it. Every uh, minute of that. This is so good. Okay, so now, like I said, you've had, you know, we're talking and it's been a week and you still have a, a couple more days. Do you like this? Do you hate this? I mean, it could it could go both ways, right? You get the extra rest, but sometimes you come out <laughs> oh flat God. for game one. So how do you feel about this extra rest? Well, sometimes these things really do matter. And I, I this is what you do. You start to play mind games because I'm like, that's a long time, man. They, I mean, this is like bigger than the All-Star break. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's In like total, what is it, nine days? Break. It's nine days. Yeah. And the, the Rockies, like, I know this is not a total comparison, but like the Rockies back in whenever they made their Rocktober run, whatever year that was. Rocktober run. <laughs> yeah. Where they, they went to the World Series and they had to wait for the Boston Red yeah. Sox. It was the same thing. And then they had they had swept, they had just beat the hell out of everybody in the playoffs, but they had to wait for the Washington. Then they get swept by Boston. Right. And so you think about stuff like that, you're like, a lot of times the rhythm does leave. I just think, I told you earlier that I've never felt safer with an athlete. Like you just kind of feel like you get under his wing and you're like, don't worry about it. We got you. You know, that's Jokic. So I'm sort of like, as long as he stays healthy and all that stuff, I feel like they'll solve him. And I honestly believe, I know that Miami, Miami dude, their their offense is so, st- it reminds me of the old Nuggets with Melo a little bit. Like it would kind of, it just kind of stops with whoever gets down there and they kind of create plays. I just don't know how that's going to compete with Denver because they move the ball around. They play, they, they clog up passing lanes really well. Like especially with Jokic, he disrupts a lot of that stuff. They have, you know, Caldwell Pope who's very feisty and Gordon. I just, I, I. I'm not trying to be overly confident because I like I can't, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, we should be fine, even if there is some rust there. I feel like they'll figure it out. Even if they even if they struggle early, I feel like they'll get back in the rhythm pretty quick. Okay, so I'm sure you were happy that the Eastern Conference Finals won seven games because you just kind of want them to beat each other up. I would imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who were you rooting for? Were you rooting for? Well, dude, I was so torn because. There's another part of it. So if you're bullied your whole life, you know, you're bullied by all these uh, whatever. There's this group of bullies, but there's two bullies in particular that just have always bullied. And in fact, you're so inconsequential around them, you just try to, you know, steer clear. That would be the Lakers and the Celtics because they've both been like that forever. You know, like they've been up there, um, insufferable fan bases. And uh, so I was like, if, if Boston is the team, it would have been... It would have been the storybook to go beat the Lakers and then beat Boston back to back and then just be like, you know, especially if they did it on their home court. I think that would have been awesome for them to be celebrating in Boston. But 
if you're looking at strictly from, I don't care. I just need to win the title. I was hoping it would they would get the home court against the Heat. So I was like, so now they got the home court. They've taken their eight and zero in the playoffs. They've taken they put every single team so far down 0-2 by winning those first two home games. It's a formula. If they just do that, man, they'll be fine. You know what I mean? So I feel like I'll take it because I was like, I feel like the Heat was the better matchup for Denver. But if you're talking about the one that would have felt better, it probably would have been the Celtics. Uh, I thought you were going to say, when you were talking about the Bullies and all that, I thought you were going to mention Pat Riley, uh, oh, Mr. Lakers in the 80s. So, I mean, you He's get a chance to... Yeah. Well, see, there. This is, this is the thing, too. I mean, there's always the associations like this. And uh, Pat Riley, dude... He's right there among the most hated because uh, <laughs> those 80s were tough, man. I went to a couple of games in the later 80s. And, man, this goes back. I showed you the sick of we, we were idiots, me and my friends. And can I just shout out real quick? I would have never been sure. able to go to Denver Nuggets basketball games without my friend. I have a, one of my good buddies in Colorado, Jake Marlin, but his mom, Tommy Marlin, it was not very close to go to Nuggets games. She would take us to these games, drop us off, and then come pick us up like all the time. We'd always be the kids who would stay there late trying to get autographs and stuff like that afterwards. Uh, and she would always just come whenever we could be, you know, very late at night. She'd come back, pick us up. It's just that's great. She's, I, I was thinking about this because uh, my buddy's been texting me, like, hey, man, are we going to go to a game? Because it's the same guy that I went to games with. And I'm like, well, I have to see, you know, it's because it's expensive as hell to do this. But, uh, but, yeah, I, I, now I forgot your whole question. What was I even trying to say there? Oh, Pat Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I saw those Lakers teams a couple of times. Most teams came out. There was like this entryway at Big Mac at McNichols Arena where they'd come out and they'd sign autographs. And almost every visiting team would do this. So you'd sit over there, and some guys were cool. The, you know, they'd give you the autographs. Some guys would just kind of shoot for the bus and get, get out of there. But the Lakers had to have a special entrance. They always had the ah. special entrance. and they were, So you, you couldn't even see them getting on there. Like, And I just remember... They were just such a exclusive band of assholes, you know, that I was like, I, I just never could stand them. So, yes, Pat Riley is 100% associated. Like, it would be a delight if they, if I can see him, uh, you know, uh, sulking over there in the stands, you know? <laughs> and and where are you at right now? Because I think that, like, when you when you clinch the finals berth, there's, like, there's jubilation, there's emotion, right? You see, you want to cry, this and that. Yeah. And then, and then I'm, I'm sure the next day, like... Every, doesn't everything just taste better? Isn't life just better <laughs> yes. when you're, you know, like you're eating bread? You're probably scrolling through all your like nuggets, Twitter content, podcasts. <laughs> like you're just watching clips. One hundred percent. You can't get enough of it. But then there's a point where like reality sinks in. You're like, oh, we have to actually win right. this thing. And then the anxiety kicks in. Has the anxiety kicked in yet? Because I can't imagine what it's going to be like Thursday at eight thirty Eastern. But like. Have well, we the victory lap is real. That, that okay. is real. I feel like I'm on too big of a victory lap, to be honest. I'm it's like, I hope the, I, I know, but I'm like, I hope the coaches and players themselves are, are more level headed than I've been because I've been <laughs> like, you know, I'm I'm going around a victory lap all over the place, talking to anybody who wants to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the nugget, you know, <laughs> random random people, dude. I'm not even kidding. You just start talking to them about the nuggets, but uh, yeah, I mean, there is, there is. But again, I just I feel confident too, so it's weird. Like I do feel that anxiety though, because imagine if they just lose game one. I mean, if the Nuggets lose game one, that anxiety is going to be huge because you're like, oh no, they made it all this way. Or maybe you see something where they're like the Heat or have figured out whatever these other teams haven't, and they just slow them down enough, and they just you see them chipping away in ways that like you're like, oh no, have they figured out something? That anxiety will swell up. I just think that. What are they? They're twelve and three, eight and zero at home, twelve and three in the playoffs. They haven't even lost a full series yet with three teams. So it's like at this point, you're just confident that you're going to get in there and keep playing the way you are. I think I'm still on that way, but I'm talk. If you were talking to me on Thursday night right before tip off, I guarantee right. you, I'll be like, all that stuff will be in my head. Like you'll be fretting, you know, about this thing. How much does the uh, the ratings talk annoy you? Uh, like you know. Dude. The ratings are something nuggets. The NBA doesn't want this. I, the, the times I'm most tempted to just jump on, I have to. I have to delete a lot of stuff. I, I get on there. I see these tweets, man. Oh yeah, the executives, are, the league office is like blah blah blah. Or they, oh, they're gonna love this. They don't, you know. And then you see idiots who are in the media kind of echoing this shit. And I'm like, you realize how f- fucked up this is? Like, it, dude, it, if you look down, I've pointed this out forever. Like, people are like. The referees don't really have a. I'm like, like hell they don't, man. Like hell they haven't. Like if you go through any other league, the NFL, MLB, NHL, random teams make it. Random teams square off all the time. Go to the NBA's history. 
It is always either a marquee team with marquee stars is in it, or it's a team like uh, like uh, the San Antonio that wouldn't be denied. That's where Denver is at right now. Mm-hmm. They're a team that just won't be denied. So then they, they they went on to have a dynasty. I don't know if Denver can do that, but it has to be a it has to be an like a respect thing first, and then it becomes whatever it becomes. But when people talk about these fucking ratings, man, I'm like I'm I, it drives me nuts because there have been times where I really believe the Nuggets could have been there, but they. They had everything going against them, including. I know it sounds crazy because I don't want to be the tinfoil guy, either, but I know that I know that they're, they're, they weren't in a rush to see Denver and Orlando back in two thousand eight. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? It was way better if it was going to be Kobe versus Orlando in that situation. So it sucks, but I feel like it's only because Denver's really the victim of that more probably than just about anybody. Like they've just been when Chris Mannix, you know, is talking about. Well, they're not an inter- you're very not that interesting. You're like you're basically saying that the franchise itself is not interesting because the, this team is fascinatingly interesting. There's every level about it is compelling. Every single level, ACL for Jamal, back surgeries for you know Porter, forty first pick in the draft, Jokic. You know, not when it, uh, you could go on the pl- the pieces they picked up, Bruce Brown coming in like resurrecting his career. You could go on and on and on about why it's fascinating. Uh, and and doing it the right way, organically, all that stuff, and he's, you know what I mean. But that's just I'm so used to it. If people get up in arms, but I'm like, this is what I've been dealing with for years, man. That exactly. And then thing. and then especially on top of all of that, just like a team being in the finals for the first time, there's not many of these left, right? Why is it? Why is basketball so different than other sports? I'm like, right. basketball should be the same, man. I'm, we're having this whole conversation based on this. I'm like, I'm just ecstatic that they've broken all of this somehow oh, this and made it there. You know what I mean? Uh, if like shoot me in the head another lakers heat finals another lakers celtics finals no like i love this type of stuff i am so excited for these finals because of the nuggets because it's it's a long suffering franchise and there's people like you out there that have been living and dying with this team and we kind of dismiss them and you know all the bad luck and i mean guys like jokic and murray how could you not root for those and guys they, right? and they embrace the city that's the biggest thing they have embraced the city i remember jokic saying they said hey if it's not happening here somebody asked him it was like last year 2 years ago can you envision winning it elsewhere, you know, whatever, down there? He's like, no, I want to win it in Denver. And I think that type of attitude, man, is like what did it. Like, it's that attitude. It's all of that. It's like they've embraced somehow, finally, like no other team. They, it was almost like they, there was no history and no nobody ever wanted to actually be part of the history, whatever it was. This team does. They actually want to protect. They want to be the first team. They want to have the banner. They want to see the parade. They say that the parade... Like I think there was a million people to see the Broncos the last time. I, they were projecting, and who knows if this is true, there'd be like 1.5 million people or something. I'm like, if that really happened, I mean, it's just... But you see the kind of breakthrough. It's a lot yeah. of quiet things that finally come this come to the fore. It's like all this passion that you kind of push aside, and now you're like, wait a minute, I can... You know, there's an outlet for this. We can be, we can celebrate this, and all. it's just... It's a crazy, crazy thing, man. Um, but the players themselves and the coach, like I mentioned, I think they've embraced it. And that's key. You know, if they were just random guys sure, sure. doing it, it wouldn't be the same. But the fact that they are embracing Denver along the way, that's what matters too. All right. So what's the official prediction for the record? And we've talked to two, you know, longtime fans this week on the show. George Sedano, who does cover the NBA and has to remain somewhat impartial, but he did take off his uh his his broadcaster uh-huh. hat for this and and reminded me that he picked the Lakers to beat the Heat in 2020, but he did pick Heat in seven. Okay. Uh, um, he did mention one thing that I thought was an interesting take. Uh, as you know, I'm, I'm not breaking any news to you. Nuggets are pretty much like a seven-man rotation yes. at this point, yeah. which is kind of rare for a team that's doing so well and going they this don't deep. They have another – the center is just – it's Jokic, and then they <laughs> yeah. go small. It's weird. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, Heat are obviously a little deeper, and if Tyler yeah. Hero comes back, they're saying game three, they get even deeper – I don't think he goes into the starting lineup. That would be insane. And uh, it doesn't seem like a very Spolstra move to put him in the starting lineup and mess whatever is going on. Yeah, that's so. Tough. So he he was factoring that in and, 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 and thinks that they could take them. Now, winning game seven on the road would be nuts, uh, especially with the altitude and just how good, as you said, Denver has been at home. What is your official prediction for the series? Heat and four. I just think that they've got... Wow. Oh, come on. No, listen, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me at this point. Would not shock well, me. dude... It would that would shock me. That really? would shock me. Heat and four, like that would shock me only. Oh wait, you said heat and four. Sorry. I said heat and four. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking. I was just thinking yeah, nuggets. Yeah. And no, four, he, I, was, I, was jo- I was. I was. I was making a joke. That would shock me. Are you kidding yes. me? No way. Yeah, yeah, no way. 
I think I'm with you. I saw you say uh, Nuggets and five. I think it's Nuggets and five. That's okay. kind of been their their pattern, and a lot of it too is the, the, it's high IQ they're dealing with out there. They're, a lot of what it is is action to the ball and cutting. You know, they, they it's it's a lot of improv, and, and it's hard to kind of you can you can guard against it. You can figure out like the pattern, but you can't. It's unpredictable in the sense like it's still going through Jokic's brain a lot of times, or it's Murray doing some doing some crazy step backs. You know what I mean? I just don't think that they'll be able to shut that down over the course of a seven game series. I just I so I, I I'm gonna say Nuggets in five, but it could go a little longer. It's just this is the unfamiliarity with the opponent, honestly, and they haven't lost to the Heat in years, but the unfamiliarity with the opponent is always a factor because you're like they may figure something make make it uglier than the other teams, do figure something out within the series that will extend it, but I don't think they'll beat the Nuggets. Isn't it so weird to be this confident going into a finals matchup, right? It's the greatest feeling ever. But if I have to look back on this in like two weeks and regret all of this because yeah. I was so confident, I'll, no, I'll I never, think you're I'll you're an appropriate right. level of, of right, confident right. right now. Like you're not cocky. You're just yes. feeling good about your team. I hope you get. I know how deep you run with the Knicks, and I've I've thought about this with Sean too because we all have these franchises. The only difference is the Suns have made it. They've had some good teams. The Knicks have made it. And they've actually going way back, you know. They won it right in the, in the yeah, early seventies. Yeah. So I mean, they've they've at least got something to hang on. And a lot of people, uh, because they're such a, a visible team and a big market, you know, they have a lot of love. But it's also crazy how much they haven't been competitive. And I I just want you to one point do the same thing because this is the same. If it was the Knicks right now, I'd be having this conversation with you the other way because uh, I would just want to vicariously understand what it's like. And I got to say, it is so worth it, man. It is so worth every minute of this, like. All those years of suffering, I'm like, I'm I'm giddy with it. I'm not even kidding when I say this, dude. I can't even conceal it. It's just like, I've been like this for weeks now, but like this past week has been, it's made sports fun for me, like on every level. Everything's, the sun is out, you know, it's yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's one of those Life is better. It's Life amazing. Is better, man. It's and crazy. you say it's sad, but it's true. And these this is why we love sports. And this is why, you know, we are this to other people, right? The sport that we cover MMA is this escape. And it's great that at your age, at my age, we can have this escape in a in a in a yeah. thing. And that's why I agree with you. Like, I wouldn't want to really cover the Knicks or the Bills because I like the fact that right. they're that thing for me. So, how do you think you would react if they win? Like, what do you think oh, goes down? Like, I, I, do you cry? What do you think happens? Probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I will. I, I mean, I'm not. A, I, I'll admit it, man. I mean, I. It's just you put in so much, and it's also just it's the associations. You know, you go back to like the people, like your family who's no longer with, like people within your family that you went to games with and uh, talked. You know, all the ups and downs. Like you put factor all that in. You're like, well, they, 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 we finally saw it. We finally saw them win a championship. I'm one of those guys. You take the full picture, and then it's like the release finally of like we, we finally broke through. I think that I will be like that for sure, man. And uh, I think so. What, what I'll end up. I know a lot of people are like, hey, are you going to go to the parade? Are you going to come up and do this? I Maybe, but at the same time, I was just in Denver for like for the Western Conference. That I would love to get out there to see. A, a, I mean, I've been waited this long. So I'm like, do I go to a finals game, man? Do you like – because it's expensive, man. It's like yeah. uh, you have to fly out and then you have to get the ticket. And it might be cheaper to go to a game in Miami for me. But uh, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. As a dad, and and your son is and a fan son. as well, and then the, the, yes, and he did not go to the Western Conference Finals game, and now he's like, "Whoa!" I told him, "Well, if we make the finals, we'll talk about it." You know, so okay. now you got so now that's two tickets. See? <laughs> but but to me, and 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 you may feel otherwise, and, and no judgment, but to me, watching at home with my kids yes. would mean more than watching it alone at the or with some other person at the right. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a moment that you'll I, you know I mean who knows yeah, if, you'll if I'm get going that. it'd be with him. Yeah, it'll oh be with that. So can't even imagine. It'll be whichever game. I don't know what it'll be, but uh, and does yeah. he share your love? He, he's how old? Eleven, twelve? He's twelve years old, and it's funny because he he does share my love. I wouldn't say it runs nearly as deep, obviously, but right. it's funny. Like, and I'll end on this because he he's kind of been indoctrinated in the way of the culture, even though in his conscious life. He's kind of been. It's all been up because uh, most of it has been Jokic right. and Murray and these guys. Like right, like that's what he knows is this. But he knows just from me the culture of what's been happening for so long and the disrespect, all this stuff. That he wore a Murray jersey to school right after they clinched, and some kid came up to him and was like, "Oh, you're a bandwagon fan." Uh. And rather than get offended, which he could, I mean, you know, it's like bullshit bandwagon my ass. I've been following my life. like he 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 was like he came home and he was like. 
can you believe that there's actually an idea of a bandwagon for this team? And I was like, you're right. That's very poetic. I was like, you're yeah. right. We've never been a bandwagon anything. Nobody wants on this bandwagon. They never wanted on this bandwagon. For somebody to actually say that, that's the true moment of relevance. You When they say, like, are you on the bandwagon for the Denver Nuggets? Right. That's crazy. That's when you're pinching yourself saying, there's a bandwagon? Like, he was right. I was like, to me, that was the most poetic thing, and that's that sums up the kind of uh, experience this has been. I love it. I wish you the best, my friend. This has been so much fun. Uh, well, maybe we could talk after and see yes. how uh, how it all went down for you. <laughs> I, I, I'm I, so happy. I am rooting for you. I am pulling for you guys. And uh, I hope that you get to enjoy every single game. If it's four, if it's seven, try not to get too stressed. Try to enjoy it because who knows if they'll ever be back there. I think they will, but y- you never know in this crazy game. So thanks for doing this. Thank Go Nuggets. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. How great was that, right? I mean, that was just amazing. Nothing better than that. You feel the fandom. You feel the passion. You could just sense it. It was radiating off the screen when I was talking to him. Beautiful stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I am rooting for them. I, I think they'll win in five, uh, maybe six tops. I love seeing long-suffering fan bases finally get one. Uh, it's all coming together for them. Led by Michael Malone, led by Nikola Jokic, led by Jamal Murray. They're a very likable team. They'll have to get by a very tough and very game and motivated and team of destiny Miami Heat. Miami's won three. Let's see the Nuggets win one. It would be nice. And I want to see my friend Chuck get one as well. So I will be rooting for them. And uh, I'm hoping it goes seven and we get, you know, seven more NBA playoff games. And it's an all-time classic. And all those haters who said that this is a boring team or a boring matchup, they could shove it. Thank you very much, Chuck Mendenhall. Thanks to all of you. Again, if you missed the conversation with George Sedano from Tuesday, go check it out. It's a great preview of the finals. You got the Heat side now. You got the Nuggets side now. You're ready to go Thursday, June 1st on ABC. Heat Nuggets, Nuggets Heat, NBA Finals 2023. Who would have thought we would have gotten this at the beginning of this playoff? But that's what makes this so much fun. Love it. Can't wait for it. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. This was tremendous stuff. Uh, Thanks for listening following, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that stuff and more. I'll be back very soon for another edition. Until then, take care.